Our scripture reading this morning is from Psalms 121. It's in a section of the Psalms called the Ascent Psalms. There are 15 Ascent Psalms. It's actually the second Ascent Psalm 121. You think about Ascent, what does that mean? Um, I think of Ascent Psalms in this manner. It's the songs that you sing going to church. It's the songs that the pilgrims, that the, the uh, Israelites would sing on the way to Jerusalem, on the way to the temple. Do you sing songs on the way to church? I would encourage you to try that for about six months every Sunday that you're driving to church. Get you a CD or find a radio station uh, or Pandora or Spotify or whatever those, whatever those apps are and uh, find you some some songs about Jesus, some praise songs that you can sing on the way to church. Get in your car, scrape the window off, start it, scrape the window off, get in your car, and before you leave your driveway, turn on your ascent song and sing on the way to church. And after six months, come tell me if that made a difference in your worship or not, difference in your day. Psalms 121, an ascent psalm. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where will my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. He who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time on and forevermore. The word of God for the people of God and all of creation. Thanks be to God. Amen. If you're joining us on a video this morning, I will encourage you to text the word CHECK to 931-388-3306. This is how we are beginning to take attendance and register your participation in today's service. If you don't have a smartphone and you're watching it on video, you can send us an email, let us know that you participated and and worship online today. That would be that would be awesome. Jesus is Lord. Amen. Thank you, Woody. During this uh, season of Lent, we're spending time in in the Psalms, and uh, as you experience today already, the Psalms is our songbook. It was our songbook before the '89 hymnal was printed. Rush. Psalms is our songbook. It's the songbook of the people of God. And we're encountering these psalms with, with new meaning and singing daily uh, as we are using the seedbed daily text in, in our psalms. I am enjoying getting that email in the morning, click listen, and then singing along with the psalms. There was one day this week the psalm was extra long. Not as long as Psalms 119, but it was long. 
soundtrack. The Psalms are our song, our song, our, our soundtrack. The Psalms, if you've been following along with the daily text, we have run the full range of human emotion. We've been expressing everything to God Almighty. It is okay for you to take all of your fears, your failures, all of your emotions to the throne of God and sing them out. And that's what we've been doing during Lent. Expressing everything to God Almighty. We've been dealing with some hard stuff daily. We've been taught that it's okay to question. That it's okay to petition. That it is okay to plead. And these psalms have shown us also how to celebrate and dance with joy. They have revealed that God is faithful and that God is trustworthy. And over the last several weeks in worship, we have experienced psalms that have led us to the themes of the feeling of being abandoned, of anger, of being anointed. And today we are experiencing abiding in Christ. I don't know if y'all know about my puppy dog, Scout. She's a five-year-old boxer. And in training her, I wanted her to heal, walk beside me. But I wanted to be Bible-related, Rush. So I used the word abide. And when I say to Scout, abide, she comes and she stands to next to me or sits right in front of me and as we take a walk and I say scout abide and she comes to me it's a continual reminder to me to abide in Christ the Psalms point us to Jesus Jesus is all over the Psalms and and so are we as we are are finding out all of our emotions, everything that we express, we are all over the Psalms and we are finding ourselves in these songs and together we are falling on our knees at the foot of the cross singing these Psalms, our soundtrack during Lent. Moved into a new neighborhood in August and I've been very impressed with uh, the people in my new neighborhood. I have uh, three folks on my small street in our neighborhood who moved here from California, from Mississippi, from Texas, from Giles County. And I've been impressed how the folks in this new neighborhood are readily asking for help and giving help. Yesterday, one of our uh, neighborhood folk on our Facebook page, a single mom, she posted this. I need someone to help my brother carry a chest of drawers upstairs today before 5 o'clock. And almost immediately, a neighbor said, I'm on the way. We all need help in times of life. The Beatles used to sing, I get by with a little help from my friends. The commercial for Lifeline products carry this tagline, help, I've fallen and I can't get up. From where do you go when you need help? Do you call on family? Do you call on friends? Do you post on social media? Do you dial 911? 
Today we encounter another psalm of seeking help and moving toward abiding. Psalms 121 is a song of pilgrimage. In the journey to Jerusalem, pilgrims would have to camp out in the desert on their way to the temple in Jerusalem. And at night, they would set up guards on neighboring hills to stand sentry overnight and, and to keep an eye out for sudden attack from robbers. And in Psalm 121, we hear the reflections of one of the pilgrims who looked toward a hill and sees a divine sentry, the Lord's protection upon them. The psalmist has the assurance in God because God never sleeps nor slumbers. He guards all the pilgrims in his care and on their journey from disease and affliction from their travels and from the sun and moon. The pilgrim has assurance as to who his helper is, God and God alone. And we can rest assured that God will help us plant our feet on solid ground, that he will never leave us and never forsake us, that he is always with us. And on this side of the resurrection, and on this side of the Pentecost, that's the Holy Spirit. The pilgrim declares that the Lord is his right hand, his help. They are connected. They need one another. They are in relationship together. The pilgrim has experienced this divine love that protects him through ordinary routine of life. For the pilgrim, it was the protection from the strokes of the sun and the moon from robbers who might come in the night. And during this journey to Jerusalem from disease and other trials, God is here present to protect you and myself as well. Protection during the ordinary routine of life. Can anybody give testimony this morning? Just raise your hand if you can give testimony to God protecting you during the ordinary routine of life. Anybody? Amen. God is here to protect us and protect us from maybe bullying and feeling of loneliness, lack of resources for our families, of feelings of unworthiness, broken family relationship. And God longs for a relationship with you and I. He longs for us to abide with him and to rely on him for protection. To abide means to live or continue or to remain. To abide in Christ is to live in him or remain in him. And this is our position in Christ. Abiding in Christ is a beautiful picture of this intimate, close relationship, not a superficial acquaintance. Jesus tells his disciples that drawing life from him, he is, him is essential and he uses this beautiful picture of branches connected to the vine. Abide in me. Have you heard these words? Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit. Because apart from me, you can do nothing. When we are connected to Jesus... We can have life and have life abundantly. 
And Jesus longs for this intimate, close relationship where we spend time with him in worship and prayer and reading his word and serving others. As Christians, we are connected to the vine, the true vine of life, to God the Father through Jesus the Son, the source of our protection, our help, and strength when we are abiding in him. Today, we have uh, the opportunity to hear from Jessica Washburn. Jessica is a missionary in Uganda with Restoration Gateway. Uh, her parents are Jim, who's here on the front row. Welcome to the front row, Jim, uh, and, and Sandy. Uh, and uh, Jim and Sandy are members of our church. So Jessica is family. Amen? Uh, Jessica has been serving in Uganda for several years. Uh, and she'll be heading back to Uganda in April. Uh, and um, we, we want to hear from Jessica and her story. Do you remember back in uh, the early or of this year? Come on up, Jessica. I'm going to talk while you're walking. Uh, during earlier, uh, we talked about, we had a sermon series called Share. And I've been encouraging you and your Sunday school classes to, to share your story. Jessica's going to share her story. Jessica's family. She's also a Tottenham fan. Jessica? Good morning. Um, as you said, I'm Jessica Washburn. I'm the youngest child of James and Sandy Washburn. Pre-2020, I had lived in Uganda for the past three years. I live and work at an organization called Restoration Gateway, located on 700 acres in northern Uganda on the banks of the Nile River. I was introduced to Restoration Gateway by my older brother, Jeremiah, who's also a football coach. He had gone over there to teach American football, um, which they're all very good at in Uganda, by the way, now. When he returned, he told me I had to go with him. He knew that I would fall in love with this place. The next summer, I did go with him, saying I could help out in their library. The previous summer, I had driven around the U.S. donating books and had a passion for literature. By the end of my two-week trip, I had made an agreement with the directors to come back full time. Once I got home and got my parents' blessing, my dad's immediately, <clears throat> my mom's a little while later, I quit my job, found renters for my home, and moved to Uganda. Restoration Gateway is an organization that's original mission was to build a hospital in the rural part of northern Uganda where it is now located. However, when the directors got there, they realized there was a much more urgent need for the care of vulnerable children. There was a 20-year civil war in northern Uganda that started in the 1990s. It left a wake of devastation, not limited to children without families and many women who had been widowed. The directors shifted their vision, and today, 12 years after they began this mission, it is home to around 200 children who are without parents or family that can support them. They are taken care of at Restoration Gateway by the women who have also dealt with loss um, from the war and are trying to earn a living or support their families. Two years ago, the original dream was realized and there is now a fully functioning hospital on the grounds at Restoration Gateway. Many from nearby villages who had once been hours from a doctor or medical care now only need to take a short ride or walk. All of the children and residents at Restoration Gateway also have access to medical care. It's where I go when I get sick or need a checkup. Restoration Gateway is also home to a wonderful school that goes from pre-K pre all the way to 12th grade in their school equivalent. 
All of the building, construction of materials, agricultural practices are all done by Ugandans, as one of the main goals of Restoration Gateway is to employ and invest in Ugandans. When I think about the scripture today and how it applies to my life and my time in Uganda, I'm drawn to, he will not allow your foot to slip. Really, when I look at my life up to this point, I can clearly see how he was placing my foot firmly on a path forward to a life that was uniquely my own. Because of my dad's coaching career, we moved a lot. As a result, it's easier for me to adapt to new settings and move from one place to another with a certain level of ease. For eight years, I worked in wilderness therapy. I was a field staff that spent every other week living in the woods helping teenagers. Through every season for those eight years, I lived outside in the elements. My brother joked that moving to Uganda would be an upgrade. I would have a roof over my head full time. I would have running water and indoor plumbing. He was not wrong. Of course, at the time, I had no idea what was in my future. I don't know how many of you have moved around a lot in your life, but it's not easy, especially as a kid. But now, as an adult, I see the benefit um, of learning to adjust and adapt so young. I was able to move from a life in America to Uganda with not much thought, because I had learned not to attach myself to places as a child. My time in wilderness granted me the new skill of radical empathy. No matter how a teenager has found themselves in that situation, it's hard not to find empathy and understanding for someone doing such hard work. Watching someone try to set up a shelter in a snow or rainstorm while also sorting out such big and difficult emotions will give you a new take on trying to understand someone's life. During these periods of my life, I know I experienced doubt. I had moments when I thought things had surely gone off the rails for me. He will not allow your foot to slip. So now on to Uganda. If you ask anyone who knows me well, it is no surprise that my next step was moving across the world to live with people who had grown up and lived a life different than mine. For the three years I have lived there, I've worked in the library. There was a good amount of books donated from the US. Ugandans speak and read English as it's the most shared language in the country. While there was a decent setup when I arrived, there wasn't a real excitement for reading. There were a few outliers who read nonstop and while the general population at Restoration Gateway is able to read, not many people were coming by daily wanting to read a book. Before any excitement could begin with the books or anything involving the library, there had to be trust in me. So I spent time in people's gardens helping carry their harvest. I offered to lead the baby Sunday school so others could worship undisturbed. I sought out ways to humble myself, to be of service on a daily basis never wanting to be the pompous American coming in saying, do it my way. And wouldn't you know it, as the trust in me grew, so did the excitement for what was going on in the library. The library has now become quite a social hub. People will come by just to say hi or see what's going on. Toddlers walk over from their houses and sit and look at books. We have local newspapers delivered three times a week so everyone can stay informed and of course check on sports results. So now people walk in all the time and tell me they're wanting to read a book. Can you help me find one? He did not allow my foot to slip. I'll close with a story about one of my good friends and his journey with reading. 
First of all, I by no means want to paint a picture that the Ugandans I know are illiterate or not smart people. This is not the case. However, their lives are busy and they have a lot of work to do that is physical and demanding. That doesn't always leave room for leisure reading. And as I mentioned before, I'm just trying my best to make reading accessible and interesting. Every year we have a game called Book Bingo. I'll take a 25 square bingo card and put descriptions of a book in each square. A one word title, a Ugandan author. Um, it's a game to set, set up to create excitement about our library and to get people to read. Um, whenever someone gets five in a row, you can get a prize. Last year, my good friend Robert, who's the computer teacher and around my age, said he wanted to play. I was thrilled and gave him one of my favorite books to read, The Alchemist. He came back a few days later and said, I was so happy to be able to go on an adventure when I was just staying in my house. I kept getting him books, and each time he finished, he would return and tell me everything he'd learned. He loved learning about the Tuskegee Airmen and George Washington Carver. One day I walked into the library. He was reading with a dictionary open next to his book, and I asked him what he was doing. He said, sometimes I find words I don't know the meaning of. I found myself getting frustrated. Then I decided I need to learn those words and push myself to keep reading. A few days later, he told me that he realized he had become better when speaking to the Sunday school class he led. I asked him what he meant. He said, I think because of all the reading that I'm doing, it's not as hard for me to find words and put sentences together when I speak. By pushing himself to be better, his reading skills and joy, find joy in reading, he was seeing payoffs in his life. A few months later, his first child was born. I went to visit in the hospital, and while I was holding his son, he said, when can I start reading to him? I ecstatically replied, right now. I know that will be a moment I remember for the rest of my life, the joy of reading reaching a new generation. Over the past year, he has sent me pictures of he and his son reading with his ever-growing collection of books. He did not allow my foot to slip. So while I might not know what is next for me, thankfully I know where my help comes from. Thank you.